Welcome to Zephyr Podcast Sessions with your host, me, Scott Howland. To find out more about Zephyr and how we're helping leading brands and businesses with customer journey orchestration, visit www.zephr.com. So hey and welcome to the Zephyr podcast session. It's great to be back again uh, and this week I'm joined by Ollie Henderson. Ollie, how are you? I'm very good. How you doing, Scott? Yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. I'm not bad. It's in this week up to Christmas or just, just coming up to that. So yeah, it's getting pretty busy. Uh, nice financial end of the year coming up. But look, uh, everything's good. Um, it's been a very strange year, but look, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, I've been listening to some of your podcasts, which we'll go into a little bit later uh and really interesting you had some great guests on and I, i'd like to learn more about that but look for people that don't know i know all about you um uh, who are you what do you do and what's your experience so i am the founder of a company called bamyazi which uh, i describe as a work-life design business so we help organizations navigate the evolving relationship between our work and personal lives and that takes in various parts of the business Ultimately, it's all about culture and strategy, but of course, data and technology drive that. And that focus led to me taking on the role as CEO of a business called Odin earlier this year. So Odin is a, we describe ourselves as a human-centered data consultancy. And the, the reason being will become clear as we, as we talk a little more, but ultimately it's a combination of data strategy and technical implementation. So my my background before that, um, for almost 11 years, I ran uh, a digital advertising agency, which I founded in 2009. So we focused on developing engaging creatives um, and building a new business model focused around engagement. So we had a creative studio, a media buying team, and um, a strategic planning uh, agency as well. Awesome, look, it's uh, so much experience. So my first question um, on this one, um, Bamiyatsi, right? How did you get that name? Yeah, <laughs> so uh, somebody wise once told me that if you can't think of a name for your new business, focus on music and pick uh, something related to one of your favorite artists or albums. So one of my favorite bands is a German cosmic rock brand called Can, and one of their albums was called Eggy Bamiyazi. So that combined with the fact that Bamyazi with the Z was available as a dot com, it was an easy choice. It was an easy choice. No, I and uh, I know that sort of went off off piece there, but um, it's really interesting. Obviously, some of these names, uh, and obviously with with Zephyr without the Y, right? It's how how we come up with these kind of things, and uh, it, it's always quite interesting. So obviously, you're very focused on this human centered approach, and I guess that's that's kind of uh, interlinked all the way through your career over the years. 2020 for humans as a whole has been a, a life-changing experience going from what happened in uh, in January, February, when we started to see uh, coronavirus coming into play. Um, obviously, we're very focused on publishing and media verticals. Um, and it, it's carved this kind of new future, right? We saw some of the biggest publishers in the world fully remote. Mm -hmm. uh, what have you seen in the world? So w when I say that, both from a work standpoint, but also going to a lifestyle standpoint, right? There's, there always has to be, we feel, uh, this work-life balance. Um, th there's got to be kind of a, a differentiation between the two. Um, what's changed this year? Well, 
much has changed on the surface. I think if I focus, let me let me talk about this in two parts. So perhaps if I speak about Odin first, because that answers your point around media and publishing businesses. So as I said before, Odin specializes in data and technology and very much focuses on publishing. So the background of the founding team has been to work with various publishers and media organizations on audience monetization and subscriptions being a key part of that. Now, clearly this year, that has been of critical focus for many businesses, not just in publishing, frankly, but you know across various different sectors. We found though, and this relates to your point around our human experience, that yes, data is important. Yes, technology is important. They're the enablers. But actually, the critical determinant of whether businesses are prepared for this new future, this emerging future, is ultimately their people. So we have talked about this idea of human intelligence or HI. And, and apart from being a, uh, a play on AI, of course, it's, it's, got, it's got a point because ultimately every, businesses, every business that we've spoken to in the past nine months, irrespective of their maturity um, in terms of data and technology. Every business has to focus on their people. And, and what we say is to successfully unlock the value of their data, these organizations must invest in HI. Now, when we're talking about HI, what I'm talking about is the application of human creativity, critical thinking, and context. And it matters because increasingly technology Technology is available to every organization. It's what you do with it that is, of course, critical. And we're finding that for those businesses who are having to evolve quickly, they don't necessarily have the skills in-house or perhaps their people aren't focused on the right things. So our job at Odin ultimately is to help businesses make better decisions. And that is the big change because you know, with pressures on business models and uh, pressures which come from macro conditions, People are having to make decisions much more quickly. And ultimately, when it comes to data and technology, as I said before, they are the enablers, but it's ultimately the people who are making the better decisions. And whilst almost every single business in the world is investing more in data, we've found that only about a fifth of businesses are actually able to use that data to make better decisions. So we keep coming back to that. It's about the people making the decisions. And ultimately, the job of Odin is, is to support that. But it, it crosses over more broadly to your point in terms of the human experience. And we can talk shortly about the ways in which people are working. But I'd say, as I, you know, I'd say that that key point is that people are starting to realize that we have to focus on the, the strategic mission of the business and keep coming back to that rather than focusing on perhaps sort of short term trends. And what we're seeing with those strategic missions is obviously this year diversified revenues, right? There was, uh, you mentioned you worked obviously doing ad agency stuff before ads got uh, absolutely killed in the first few months of, of the year, March, April, I think up to about May where it started to, to kind of come back um, and publishers, media companies started to learn very quickly that in, they needed to diversify these revenue streams they were looking at different technologies different things out there and also the teams around it there was a lot with the furlough schemes and things like that around which meant that some of the teams that needed to make these decisions weren't actually there and then there was some technology that they were bringing in but then they didn't have the teams to be able to use that technology or drive the right data decisions to uh to get the best out of those technologies um and, and obviously that that's a big um 
uh, focus for these organizations now going forward is how are they going to best diversify their revenues, keep this recurring relationship with their customers coming or their consumers coming, um, but also with their their colleagues. I think that there's a I think there's a there's a new grown and a new grown new found relationship with companies and their colleagues and their their workforce in that certain sense. Would you would you say? Yeah, I mean, if we come around to the what I would consider the work life point, and there's a reason I talk about work life design, and it's because that blurring of the boundary between our work lives and our personal lives is ever clearer this year. I mean, it was for me something that was evolving slowly, but we've accelerated in that respect, much as we've accelerated in other areas of life far more quickly since March. Now, I'd say, yes, the, the world has changed. I don't think it's going back. I don't think we're going to, very few businesses will go back to a fully office-based workforce. And you can't move for surveys telling you various things at the moment, the highlights of which would probably be that productivity hasn't necessarily been affected by people working from home or working from anywhere is probably a better description for, for some people. People want to work from anywhere, but miss aspects of working in person. But we do need a new model to ensure that we have better measurement of how people are performing. And I think what we've probably experienced this year is the kind of first act in a, if you consider it a sort of three act play of work life, which is this is this has been out of our control. We've been forced into certain circumstances. I think on the whole, businesses have adapted pretty well. But it doesn't reflect the long term future and the ways in which we're going to work. You know, fingers crossed in six months time, there'll be a vaccine and people will have the option of returning to the workplace. And of course, at that point, how businesses respond, how they design and reimagine a new way of working is going to be key. And I think there's going to be conflict with that, perhaps from leadership and employees, perhaps amongst employees themselves. People have individual circumstances within which they work. But I think one thing that is true is that everybody I speak to, and I'm speaking to a range of people from business leaders to academics to consultants and everyone in between, and people who specialize in various aspects of what I'd consider work-life design. And I think one key, key theme which keeps returning is this issue of measurement and performance. Now, if you're in a, if you're in a role like, like yours, Scott, where you've got pretty clear numbers that you need to, to be hitting, and you can work back from a sales target back to, you know, maybe the ultimately the, the number of hours you need to spend on prospecting and everything in between. That's a relatively easy way to judge performance. Likewise, if, you, if you're shipping code, if you're, you know, code deadlines and you have to deliver products at a particular time, that's relatively easy to measure. But there's a huge swathe of the, the workforce where the outcomes of their work are less clear. And my suggestion would be that ultimately that is going to be the key for next year and beyond. How do we design a system which allows us to measure outcomes and by extension then allow people to work in a truly flexible way because people have been talking about flexible work this year i don't think what we've seen this year is a, is a true reflection of flexible work we, we've seen one part of flexible work which is location-based the next step is time you know time-based work and whilst as i said in professions and in jobs in which you have very clear outcomes it's easier to justify working at your own in your own time and with your own schedule. But there are many, many jobs for which that isn't true. And I think that's the key. I mean, this is if we can crack that, 
then we're going to create a system which is flexible and has many benefits which we can talk about in a bit more detail yeah and the uh, the benefits and those outcomes are key. I'd never thought of it like that actually, because um, obviously I, I'm I'm in my own little bubble uh, as always. Um, but no, my bubble is I have a target, right? I can work yeah. that back. How many calls down to how many calls I need to make a day, mm. things like that, uh, and it can kind of progress from there up to I know quite predictably if I'm going to get towards my target or whatever that might be. Now. Uh, obviously for others no i never thought of it like that that there, there is kind of soft kpi soft targets there's things that they were doing daily there's things that they were doing maybe in the office which aren't hard targets which can't be measured at those outcomes um yeah, and, it, and it comes to time right so for me time is the critical piece so if i what, what i'm talking about at the moment i'm trying to reframe the way people are thinking about the future of work and for me and this is really true of business like zephyr so you know, Zephyr are s scaling quickly, employing new people, very aggressive targets for growth. And with that comes various challenges. And I think the assumption is for businesses like Zephyr, every single individual in that business should be working at max capacity all the time. Well, I'm sure you've experienced this. You've talked to your colleagues. It is impossible to do that. My contention would be that actually a business like Zephyr and many businesses in technology, publishing, whatever, what other industry, ultimately, if you want to accelerate and sustain long-term growth, actually creating a culture that empowers people to work less is going to be a key determinant in the future. And, and there's various reasons for it. I mean, some are long-term, look, we're all going to be working for a lot longer than our parents' generation. You know, we, Probably, you know, by most measures, we're going to be working to a 75 on average. So we've got a long career ahead of us. It's just not sustainable to work very long hours. We're seeing levels of burnout, which are unprecedented. And actually, it's true even within the current context. You know, people have better work-life balance on the whole, surveys would suggest. But actually, other contributory factors are leading to burnout, like you know, mental health pressures. And actually, look, you, again, if you look at burnout, you can only maxim, uh, operate in a red zone, if you like three weeks before your productivity significantly decreases so i would suggest that time is critical if and if you have a framework for people to be measured by their outcome then you can then allow them complete flexibility in the way in which they manage their time and the results of that are several things ultimately happiness you know people are happier when they can manage their own time and when they're not stretched and they're not burning out and actually that has a complementary effect on productivity but also just fundamentally you know from a business perspective it's better for retention recruitment and general culture all of these feed into it so a question to you on that then if that is going to you're talking to um sorry you're talking to uh, business leaders daily about this kind of process if you were going to give them a tip on how to start implementing this kind of um thought process to bring that yep. into their workplace what would be your your top tip well i talk about an idea of structured flexibility and it sounds like an oxymoron but but there's <laughs> there's a there's a reason behind it and and, I, and it's related to that i've kind of got this framework which i use to talk to to people about the way in which they can approach this practically and it's uh, it's an acronym joint related okay. structured flexibility and there's there's five parts to it the first is job design 
So job design is all about the process of establishing roles and responsibilities, creating systems to use to optimize work processes. And now we have the possibility of doing that. And it's a two way thing. It shouldn't just be top down. It should be bottom up as well as a concept called job crafting, which is all about how the individual has a much better view on the work that they're doing each day and can shape the way in which they work. And look, if you think about it from an individual point of view, I'd say it was a, it's a thing of the past to assign everybody the same job role and accept them to do that job in exactly the same way. In the knowledge economy, for businesses which are looking to stand out and to innovate, it should not work like that. Now, that's a question of job design. We should have flexibility built into the system for you to do your job, Scott, slightly differently from someone else who's ostensibly in the same role. So the first bit about job design, working with employees to help them shape the role. The next point is outcomes. What ultimately are the outcomes which are going to lead to growth within the business? And you can start at the top. You know, what are the deliverables in terms of revenue targets, profit targets? What yep. contribution does each department make to that? How do you allocate roles and um, responsibilities within the team? So that's about outcomes. And in insights, your data is critical. We have access to lots of data. It's difficult to measure some of these softer, softer metrics that you mentioned before, but it's not impossible. It's just determining what they are. But then there's two last points. And the first of all is about nudging. So yeah. look, with the best intentions, we would work in a particular way, but the reality is that sometimes we need a little nudge. And this, for me, the key point here is about culture. So unless leadership make it very clear that there's flexibility in the system and that people have the opportunity to shape their own roles, that they have the opportunity to work within their own time, and they're not just paying lip service to it, only then will people find that kind of work-life balance which we talk about. Because it doesn't matter how much as an individual you design your own schedule, if you aren't empowered to do that by leadership, it's not going to work. And the last point, time, and I keep coming back to it. Ultimately, as individuals, we have completely different chronotypes. We, you know, for different times of day, we work best at different types of tasks. Each role has different requirements in terms of the way we interact with our colleagues and clients. All of these should, things should be built in to create smart scheduling, is, is what I call it, so that every week you have some structure about the way, the way your work's week's going to work you might have a certain amount of time for focus time certain amount of uh, time for collaborative activities building in opportunities for spontaneity which from a creative point of view is critical but actually the key thing for me and this is the thing which you do not see allocating people time for downtime and rest unless you say to everybody at for at least one hour every day you aren't allowed to answer emails you aren't allowed to be in meetings you need to deliberately rest you need to spend some time relaxing a we're going to see more cases of burnout but ultimately it's going to stymie creativity because yeah. there is a direct relationship between creativity and rest and as i said earlier on those companies that thrive in this situation those companies which are going to innovate and change the world rely completely on creativity and innovation and that's really interesting so some great tips there um follow the the joint acronym uh, and uh, i'll make sure that goes into the uh, the notes of this podcast so we can uh, we can see that uh, but look look Oli, we like we like to keep these these sessions short concise to the point um obviously to go and find out more about that futureworklife.com um is where your newsletter is um it's a weekly newsletter right yeah weekly newsletter talking about that relationship between work and our personal lives 
And uh, you, you've been doing a, uh, a podcast recently. Uh, you've released, I, I don't know how many episodes now. It was about four or five last time I saw, I think. Um, yeah, I got, got a few tips from you, Scott. So thanks for that. Um, I am, we're seven in. Episode eight will be going out tomorrow. And that will be the last episode in this first series. But it's been fantastic. I mean, it's had some amazing guests covering everything from, you know, obviously, as you'd expect, things around work life, but also marketing. We've had, uh, world champion rowers, world champion surfers, all sorts of interesting people on there. That's awesome. That's called Take My Advice. Um, please go and look at that. Um, and it, it's very focused on separating um, good advice from bad uh, and getting that kind of information, right? Yeah. And the, the original title it was a bit of a mouthful, for, so I cut it back. The original title was Take My Advice, I'm Not Using It, which is this <laughs> philosophy I have on life. And it's this acknowledgement, which I, I sort of re- referred to a moment ago which is we all or in many cases know what's best for us but actually doing it is entirely different so every person that I've spoken to also acknowledges even you know being world experts on certain subjects you don't always necessarily follow the same advice so that that was a principle behind it yeah it's primarily a conversation around business careers and as I said that relationship between work and life but you know, frankly, it's just get some interesting stories from 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 interesting characters. So it's, it's good all fun. it's all about a good conversation, and uh, I feel that that's what we've had today. So I really appreciate that. Two more questions for you before we finish. Sure. Um, I, I I might kind of see where this is going with your musical kind of uh, background and and understanding. Um, but uh, I'm making a feel good playlist for the year. Um, I'm going to put it on Spotify. I'm going to do it over Christmas actually and get it on there. Um, I need a song to add to it from you. What would you add to that playlist? Uh, if in doubt, I fall back to Donny Hathaway. So Donny Hathaway's live album is one of my most listened to albums. So I'd put on The Ghetto by Donny nice. Hathaway. I will add that to the uh, the playlist. Um, I, I got my Spotify wrapped the other day through and. Uh, this this year it was uh, Peppa Pig, Bing Bong Zoo as my listen to track. <laughs> well, Matt, well, I can tell you, mine was um, Gangnam Style, and I like to move it by Will I Am. So I think that's a, a, a sign of who uses Spotify most in our houses. No, exactly. And my last question: Look, um, let's. Uh, I think we've just moved into Tier Three in London, but um, so that's not going to happen for a while. But um, we we go to a bar and we actually get a chance to have a a beer or something, a drink together. What's your go-to drink of choice? Oh, I just, I'd usually defer to a Guinness first drink, first drink round. There we go. Easy, simple. Uh, look, Ollie, pleasure to have you on the Zephyr podcast sessions. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, uh, hopefully, look, have a great festive period. And uh, hopefully we can catch up in the new year. Likewise. Cheers, Scott. Thank you.